Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast, where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. I just started recording. Yes. Um, let me say this. Yeah. Healthy, Dan. Healthy. I love it. That's so exciting. In this day and age, uh, it, to be healthy, yeah. yeah, it is the thing to be excited about. Yeah, it really is. And if you're not, uh, have compassion for yourself and compassion for others. And that is super impressive. Honestly, how, why is it that that is how you are? Is that how you've always been? All right. So, wow. <laughs> Dan, you and I talked about that. I, you know, there was not anything rehearsed here. So your first question is pinpointed <laughs> right into really what I've been uh, working on and actually realizing very much over the last four to five months. Mm -hmm. Have I always been like this? Absolutely not. Am I mm -hmm. like this? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So here's the thing, <laughs> going back, and I've done three and a half years of therapy ending in 2018, a lot of stuff going on before that. But, you know, from my early childhood, number one, I can't remember my parents. I have no visual or auditory memories of my parents. Were you adopted or? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, how? I just can't remember it. You know, they may have been there. Yeah. I have blacked it all out. Wow. Here's what I remember. Yeah. Me crying, whether it was in my crib when I had a crib or in my bed when I was a little older. Mm -hmm. That's all I remember is in a dark room crying. And basically, as I, you know, when I went through this with my therapist, I finally said, where the heck were my parents? Yeah. And what has come out of that emotionally and we're talking about, look, we all have childhood stuff. Yeah, totally. So not knowing where my parents were, I'm kind of realizing this over the last couple of years, was number one, they must have rejected me. So I felt ashamed of myself because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they're not here, especially, I, you know, I, have done so, I must have done something really bad. Mm -hmm. So there was the rejection issue, which led to the safety issues. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let's fast forward this to more recent stuff. So I think you may be familiar with that. I, you know, I needed eye cataract surgery. Yeah. And I was telling everybody July 15th was my freak out day for my first attempt at an eye cataract surgery. So, you know, I go in there, I have a panic attack and people say, you are doing all this breathing. I said, yes, <laughs> I am as human as anybody else. I may know some, I may have practiced some certain technology longer. Maybe I know some technology longer, yeah. but at the heart of it, yeah. we're all heart, period. So July 15th, have a panic attack, stay at the hospital overnight. But I kept telling everybody, you know, I was so sensitive about my eyes. Even as a kid, I chalked it up to, I'm just super sensitive about my eyes. So a friend of mine, whose mentor is David Kessler, who co-authored the book on denial with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And in 2016, the, the, the book on denial were the five stages of denial, but he wrote the sixth stage in 2017 called Finding Meaning. So my friend who had David Kessler as his mentor said to me, wait a second, what's behind you being so sensitive about your eyes? Uh -huh. 
And he says, let's take a breath and just figure it out. And I said, you know, and I, I said, yeah, yeah. So I got it one a little deeper and I had been talking to other people about, and my therapist recently, I called my therapist after three years to talk about my early childhood rejection again. So uh, I went deeper and I says, oh my goodness, to my friend. I said, I freaked out because I felt totally unsafe. Mm. I had no control over the situation. Mm -hmm. And that, it wasn't about the sensitivity of my eyes. It was the sensitivity of my early childhood rejections yeah. and suing safety issues that I have. And I'll give you another thing. So, you know, I'm not a big guy, right? I'm five foot seven, kind of thin. So as I was growing up, you know, I was bullied several times in high school, as in being beaten up bullied. Mm -hmm. So where that transposed to was, and I grew up in New York City. I lived all my life until 1997 in New York City, 16 years in LA, and then the last eight and a half years here in Austin. And I've been teaching and practicing yoga for 50 years. I had my 50th anniversary in August. Mm -hmm. Time went fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... The, the thing is, so I'm in my, I started yoga when I'm 23, and then three years later, and this is all New York City, you know, there was a, lot of, a bunch of martial arts movies that came out in the early 70s, and I was inspired, so I walked into this martial arts place in New York City, and I spent the next 22 years there. Wow. And, and that school was about 10% about forms and about 90% training to fight and fighting. Mm -hmm. And in the early days, you know, somebody didn't like you, they took it out on you right on the floor of the martial arts place. And you just say, you know, survival, survival of the fittest. <laughs> I, I, I was inspired to thrive there. And I did, I became, there were five lead instructors, about 300 people in the school. I was one of those five lead instructors finally. So I really became very proficient in martial arts, but psychologically what I became very proficient is building walls and putting on so much body armor that I numbed all of my psychic pain. Mm -hmm. So I, I realized in 2005, because I, I did an analysis of the people who were teaching yoga classes in LA, and what was the attraction to these to these people that were getting all these people to see them. And here's the commonality. They just expressed it. The commonality was one word, heart. So ever since 2005, you know, I kind of was doing it by myself, but then I had some fairly traumatic events happen in my life. I'm not going to go into that right now. Uh, starting in 2009, that lasted really probably till mid 2016, 2017. And that's when I went to my therapist and I got some professional guidance on how to deal with these early childhood things and just things that were you know, happening to me as an adult, but predicated from early childhood. So I finally left because he kicked me out. <laughs> he said, and here's what he said to me the last day. And I knew this was coming after three and a half years. He said, you now know how to talk go find a good listener. Mm -hmm. So, and what he meant by knowing how to talk, I, I really was on the pathway 
to face my vulnerabilities, talk about them, and own the story of my early childhood rejection, the shames, the you know safety stuff, the guilt stuff, everything. And that's what I've been working pretty seriously on probably for the last four to five years. And, um, you know, each day, each, each week is just a new experience of just trying to show up honest, real, and risk emotional exposure. And those are words from Brene Brown. And risk emotional exposure because that is the only way, and I believe Brene Brown, that we're going to get free of all of that suffering from the pain of certain events. And David Kessler makes a difference. He has a great definition on the difference between pain and suffering. So pain, pain happens. It's real. It's not, you know, you get physical pain, but you get psychic pain from your, from events. We now have a choice to either suffer and dwell on that pain and let it continue for many, many, many years, or the sixth stage of, of you know, loss and grief is finding meaning in all your stuff. I could use another word that begins with S, I'll spell it, S-H-I-T. <laughs> you know, because it's dark, right? It's dark and it's smelly. Yeah. So finding meaning is an integral part in reducing the suffering from whatever pain, the pain of the heart that we've gone through. It's not like, you know, we didn't come to the planet Earth to heal our left ankle. We came to the planet Earth to heal our heart. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we also had another object to our reincarnation because we knew when we were in the ethers, we knew that how humans heal now in this particular time vortex of healing, we knew how us humans would be healing, the planet would be proportionally healing. And then the other thing I believe, and you can't Google this, Dan, and I think I've said this in class, because when we're in the ethers, you know, we're all connected. You know, you get on the physical plane, you get a physical body, it's separation immediately. So, but we're in the ethers, we're just totally connected. So we collectively signed up with tens of other millions of souls because we knew we couldn't do it individually. We needed to do it collectively to come to this planet Earth, to be alive in this 22, 23 year period, starting um, 20, in the beginning of 2023 with the return of Pluto till about 2044, 2045 to heal ourselves and heal the planet. This is the vortex. And this is why it is critical. You know, we're hardwired in because of that collective choice in the heavens to do this as a group. We're, this is why, you know, we're hardwired in to community. And that's why we love being with people who we can embrace and who will embrace us, the real us, the honest us, the self that is going to show up and say, you know what? I got some, I got some messy things, but I also got some superpowers. So you're talking about me going back to that. So out of my rejection and safety issues, you know, I, I, this is what it fuels that energy back then fuels this energy today. 
Two of my superpowers. My first superpower is kindness. I just can't help myself. Second superpower, just because of my safety issues, is resilience. I could be knocked down. I mean, I just I've looked back on my life. Yes, look, we all we all get off knocked off balance, thrown to the ground, etc. But I respond pretty darn well to get up because I have a yogic practice. A yoga practice. So I'm doing breath work, I'm doing meditation. So that, that really helps, you know, recover from the you know, the ups and downs of life. So, um, yeah, kindness, compassion, resilience. I'd say, you know, I got others. We all have, we all have multiple superpowers, but I'd say those are the, my top three addiction to take you to the point. And I've come to a very interesting observation of myself in the last six months. Here's the observation. Because I'm dumping stuff out of my, out of my psyche, my brain cells are more highly activated. They're crystal clear, and I'm seeing much better beyond my five senses. Would you consider it a sixth sense? There's a sixth sense, seventh sense, eighth sense, ninth sense. There's all these senses. There's not, you know, people think it's just, oh, a sixth sense. Well, maybe you want to say that's encompassing all of the senses Perfect. that we are experiencing beyond, you know, the, the earthly five senses. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, and otherwise, you know, it's pituitary glands, seat of our intuition. You want your pituitary gland secreting, you want your pineal gland secreting, which is at the top of the head, and those secretions really set, send chemicals into your system that really attract etheric vibrations. So you're picking up messages from the heavens and the ethers. We, we're spiritual beings on the planet in a human body. It is not the other way around that we're human and trying to find our spirituality. The elephant in the room is not our spirituality and it's not our physicality. The elephant in the room is our mentality. The ment- mentality is the, the builder of walls is the builder of body armor, is the builder of, I'm scared, I don't want to take any emotional risks in my life. I want to just hide. I want to be as invisible as I possibly can. And people who are very boastful, rowdy, and everything else, it's just another form of invisibility, what their true self is. Scared, ultra sensitive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just, um, and it's been a very, just like anybody, you know, people, I've had an interesting life, but everybody's had an interesting life. Everybody is so unique because everybody has, a, you know, their own unique DNA. I thought, you know, fascinated with talking to people. People say, you're still listening to me? I said, you're fascinating. Mm-hmm. I said, it's everybody is unique. I talk to and I talk to a lot of people. It's just every, everybody, everybody's got a story of the heart. No exceptions. Mm-hmm. And I can listen to those stories every day. Because that's connection. When you're really talking about the pains of the heart, you know, what's bothering you, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's really connecting with another individual. So I know, Dan, you bet when we first started to um, arrange this 
you know, audition, not audition, audio, audio rendition interview, you said to me, well, one of the questions I might ask is, well, what's the most common emotion you're walking around with? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So there's a strong emotion, but there's an intermittent emotion that goes in there. So the stronger emotion, just because of my yoga practice, is, you know, calm heart. But the other emotion that filters in and out, sometimes it filters in and out very rapidly, and sometimes I don't see it for a few hours, a day, two days, is this anxiety. People, you know, people, the mind wants us to believe no anxiety, no frustrations, no this, no that. It's impossible. We are human beings that emote and then think. We're just full of emotions. And Carla McLaren, another contemporary, you know, new age thought thinker, she basically says all emotions have messages for us. And here's what anxiety, and I've read her stuff, and here's what emotion, here's anxiety, what it does for us. It causes us to pay attention to the subject that we're freaking out about. And it's one thing, if you, you know, to freak out about it, once we pay attention to it, but there's a next step that, that you need mental focus and concentration and a calm heart to go to the next step. And that is to do something about it. And I just let it sit there and fester. And you know, you gotta, you gotta ride the emotions out. Let's say I have anxiety about a financial thing. And by the way, my father, was 20 years old when the depression started. I've got some, I've got some financial DNA from my father. 20 years old and he went to World War II. He's got some safety and financial, had some, some, had some safety and financial issues. And I'm very aware of that, much more after therapy. So it's like, okay, how long is that anxiety going to last? You know, if it lasts three days, it's just three days. If it lasts 13 years, how can you live with that? You can't. As your anxieties, frustrations, angers build and you don't do anything about them, it becomes an increasingly heavier weight on your psyche. So when you meditate and through breath work and mantra and start clearing your subconscious, one of the feelings you get after you meditate is you feel lighter because you've scrubbed some of your unprocessed unconscious thoughts some and i'm also a firm believer you know people think oh yoga i'm just going to clean me out i'm just going to be a this perfect being no 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 <laughs> no you're not going to do that you're just going to have a much, you're going to get, you have a calmer heart, a stronger heart to really look at it and see what the message is for you so that you can manage them better. And that's all it is. You know, you go to therapy, the yoga thing, all this other stuff, 
All you're doing is getting skilled in managing your emotions. Dan, I would bet you that your parents, as well as my parents, never did gave us any skill training on how to manage our emotions other than slap in the head or suck it up, you know, from the movie Frozen, right? Conceal, don't reveal. Only babies cry. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Don't express your grief. That's for, that's for sissies. All that stuff. So coming from, and by the way, I believe we're from the future, not the past. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Because us folks that signed up for this compact together, we needed to already know the solutions. We, we don't have time to figure it out. And then here's the basic solution that everything flows from. Right now, as you and I talk, everybody on the planet is basically doing the same exact thing. And that is taking an inhale and taking an exhale. The difference is what is the depth of that inhale and exhale? What is the breathing sequence and how that's going to affect you? And there's the breath, there's this book called Breath by James Nestor, it came out in 2020. Anybody wants to read a great book on breath, half of its adventure story and half of its science. Um, most people breathe 18 to 20 times per minute. That's science. People who have a breath, breath work, uh, practice, they're going to breathe about five to eight times a minute. And what that does, you know, people are breathing 18 to 20 times a minute. It's almost hyperventilating. And they're only using the upper portion of their lungs, which is the sympathetic go nervous system, part of our central nervous system. So everybody's amped up all the time. You need to breathe deeper to get to your parasympathetic nerves, which are mostly at the bottom of the lungs. So all these different breathing patterns affect our vibration and our frequency. And remember that old phrase, you are what you eat. Uh, 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 uh. You are what you vibrate. And the mind left unattended will vibrate you all, the, all over the place like a whipsaw. Attend to the mind. That's why I call it, you know, the elephant in the room. Attend to the mind. And you can train the mind, focus and concentrate so you can make yogic decisions. That emotion I just felt, was that hitting me as an adult? Or did that hit my five-year-old self that got, got me completely freaked out? And now I'm thinking all these weird things. It's all how you vibrate your breath. And the best time to do that breath work is slightly before the sun rises. Because when the sun's rays break the horizon, not when the sun comes up, but when the rays break the horizon, the day-day has begun. And you can feel it. So you really want to do some breath work before the day-day begins. It's just vibrationally more quiet, unless you've got a two-year-old. But even then, you can take a minute. Even a minute is going You're to give you a vibrational head start. Mm -hmm.
at any rate, uh, Dan, I think I've got about 10, 12 more minutes on the uh, interview here. Do you want to ask me anything more specifically? Because I, I, I rambled pretty good here, but I think I was focused also. It's good. I appreciate you coming in and kind of having a vibration of who you are and what you're looking for in the process. I do have some questions. Go for uh, it. Who are you? <laughs> What's your name? All right. My name is Gurudan. Thank you very much. And Gurudan means doer of good deeds. Hence, kindness, compassion. That's who I am. But my, that's who I am. And my identity is I know I'm a spiritual being having this experience with all kinds of emotions in this human body. In order to continue and hopefully finish my healing process of the heart. And what's my mission on the planet, Dan? Mm -hmm. Help others breathe. Yeah, but <laughs> generally yeah. to nurture and be nurtured. And you know, you can say that, okay, to love and be loved, and to nurture and be nurtured. How am I accomplishing that then? I don't know. I just gravitated into yoga. Well, let me say this. Yoga found me. I, you know, people don't find yoga. Yoga finds you when you're ready. So yoga found me a long time ago. And um, it resonated. And lo and behold, I became a yoga teacher. But here is my levels. People say, oh, you're a yoga teacher. I said, N well, let me say this. That's the least part of me. My preeminent part, number one, is I'm a human. Part number two is I'm a yogi. Part number three, I happen to be a yoga teacher. So the better human I can be, it will help my other two things. But it really starts on being that wholehearted human who can emote with the heart emotions and can equally emote with what, you know, the mind qualifies as the good emotions, right? So, you know, there's hard conversations, there's easy conversations. So, you know, when the mind's happy, oh, the mind's happy because oh, we, have, we have some nice food or we're with friends that we've, you know, longtime friends or the weather's nice. But those hard emotions, the mind really wants to shy away from and you need to train yourself to go face them rather than to shy away. And those hard emotions, you know, I talked to you about some of the things that I've gone through. Those are hard things to deal with. So I did shame. Shame loves secrecy. Don't talk about it. Shame rises to the top. And when you start talking about it to a, to a good listener, you start realizing that, you know what? Every human's in the same boat. Nobody's different. So what's to be ashamed of? The mind trained us and tricked us to be ashamed. And now we're in the process of untraining. When you say the mind tricked, what does that mean? That feels like a, a form of blame of the mind. Of course. The mind will do everything in its power to control us. We are the commander of our body, mind, and spirit. And as I said, left, left unattended, the mind 
will be completely let loose to enslave us to what it wants to do rather than the other way around. Look, you know, again, I, I actually, you know, I have a turban on, white clothes, so I get stopped a lot. And invariably, somebody says to me, here's the question. Nobody says to me, can you teach me how to do a physical yoga posture? Here's what everybody says. I can't control my thoughts. Teach me how to meditate. Do you think that's an energy if you didn't wear the white turban, have a long white beard, white clothing? Do you think people still would ask you that question? Let me say this. I'm I think I'm destined to whatever I'm destined for. If it wasn't in this particular look, it'd be something else pretty striking. <laughs> you know, maybe I'd have a, tattoos all over my body, bald head, and just, I don't know what it would be. But again, D Dan, here's the thing. It was destined to be this way because this is exactly what happened. Have my you played? Go ahead. Have you played in your past lives? Played in my past lives? Mm -hmm. Have you discovered, developed, played in your past lives? No. Is it something that you've ever spoken with anyone about? Have you heard people seeing their past lives? Yeah, sure. But here's my... Here's my comment to that. Mm -hmm. Why do people dwell on their past lives? Why don't they get future life regressions instead of past future life progressions instead of past life regressions? The past, you know, it's like we're on both sides of the coin. Have you played in your future life progressions? What do you mean by play? Um, when I say play, it's, it's discovered, spent time with, developed. Um, Embrace. Yeah, I think I let me say this. You know, it's just feelings. Now, I wouldn't say, oh, I went to my future life five generations from now and I saw myself, you know, in a particular country or place, or, you know, no, but I'm feeling the energetics of where I came from, both the future and the past. And I don't really want to dwell on the material specifics. I'm just going to deal on the energetics. So I'm not interested. Oh, I lived this life in 1812. I don't, I'm not particularly interested in that. What I'm particularly interested in is how do I mend my heart right here, right now? How did you and I meet? Let the audience know. How did we meet, Dan? Kundalini? Yeah, give me... I can, Wait a second. You this? Da, da, da. Tell, wait, did, wait a second. Where did we meet? Kundalini. No, I know we met at Kundalini class. Was yeah. that when you first walked in? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we met in Kundalini class. Now we can't stop talking to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been interesting. It's been fun to process through. How did you start it in Kundalini? How did I start? Mm -hmm. Um... Like, how did you discover yoga found you? Did you yeah. find Kundalini when you found yoga or was Kundalini a later process? And no. stage two, what is Kundalini? Okay. Those are your two final questions for me. Thank you. I've got, so, I have to, I have three more after that. 
All right, I'll have to be quick then. So yoga what is your for rush, me? my good sir? Because I have another appointment. I see, I see. Because we were going to talk, you know, we said it'd be about 45 minutes. Yeah, that's true. We've got another 11 minutes. That's my true. other appointment is, here's my other appointment, Dan. I've got to go teach a yoga class. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. It's not like I'm going grocery shopping. I have to go teach another yoga class. I totally understand. All right. So it was, it was not just yoga that found me. It was kundalini yoga that found me. And I happened to be working for the Xerox Corporation back in 1971. And a guy comes in with all clothes and a ponytail. And he just come back from India with a group of people that were all kundalini yogi people. So he and I were like, you know, just like you and I were attracted. I was attracted to him. We started talking. He said, okay, come to my yoga class. You know, the rest is history. But, um, you know, I grew up in the 60s and I fully participated in the 60s. <laughs> and that wasn't really healthy. <laughs> but, you know, windows certainly opened in my brain about, you know, magical things. But, you know, fine. That was me. Luckily, I found yoga. But there's a lot of people, a lot of people who are unlucky or not blessed. And it got them into some really serious addictions, troubles, et cetera, et cetera. So, all right. So what is Kundalini? Mm -hmm. Kundalini is the name of that energy that lies underneath the navel point and a little below it. But Kundalini yoga is the only yoga that works directly on the nervous system and the glandular system. So a particular breaths, it's focusing on massaging the nerves and strengthening the nerves because it takes a lot of strength and courage to deal with each of our individual days. And glandular system, you know, like for example, like your lymph glands, those are the guardians of your immune system. So there's a lot of exercises because there's two sets of lymph glands in the body, armpits and the crease of the thighs. So you can have a lot of arm lifts and you can have a lot of leg lifts to stimulate those lymph glands. But you've also got the pituitary gland, the pineal gland, the hypothalamus gland, the thymus gland, all the, you know, the adrenals that need a self rhythm based off of breath frequency where those secretions will give you a self rhythm that matches your, that matches yourself to your higher spiritual frequency. So you just feel more complete. So there's Kundalini in a nutshell. Okay. Three more questions you got. What is consciousness? <laughs> All right. I'm going to quote Pema Chodron. Okay. Consciousness is spirituality, but spirituality doesn't begin until you start dealing with your SHIT. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what, so you answered what the two emotions are that you experience on a day-to-day -day basis, but what are emotions to you? So you've just described consciousness. What are emotions? You know, they're, they're just feelings. 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 And, you know, and feelings. Well, let me say this. Your thoughts are generating feelings. 
So you get feelings for certain thoughts and they can spiral into dark places if you don't have control over your thoughts. Or they can spiral into fantasies. You know, every, you know, every, oh, I just want to be happy all the time. It's both of these things are not going to, you know, be good for you. You got to have a balance. And as I said, I'm a big Brene Brown fan where, you know, you have to have enough focus and concentration to say, I just had this feeling to go back. And where did that get triggered from? What thought triggered that feeling? Or what, what physical sense triggered that? You know, you may just may be walking around at three o'clock in the afternoon and something you saw just triggered a feeling from your three-year-old self. Oh my God, whatever that feeling is. So what's going to be, you know, your sense of calm? What's going to be your sense of relaxation? What's going to be your sense of anxiety? And you know what? I don't care how much yoga and meditation you do. Everybody's still prone to those hard feelings. Oh my God, I'm just completely anxiety ridden for the last three hours. But if you can take a breath and start going, where did that come from? Did somebody say something to me? Did it just pop up? Are those feelings because it's here and now? Or is it, as I said previously, is my three-year-old self just completely bothering me and saying, I'm feeling this. And here's the thing, your three-year-old self, the six-year-old self, those feelings are real and they're feeling that. We are comprised of all of our earlier ages. Mm-hmm. We are comprised of all of our future ages. So you got to, you know, you have to have some mind power to understand your feelings. And what are you going to do about it? Because mm-hmm. if you just, if you just, you know, it's like, oh my, you know, I'm happy today. Well, you know, your mind's going to say to you, well, you should be happy all the time. It's impossible. Or your mind's, you know, you say you're angry. Your mind at some point, if you're angry enough and long enough, your mind's going to say to you, that is never going away. Because your mind is going to be telling you what happened today will happen tomorrow and nothing is going to change. But with breath work, that's a big, it's a popular phrase these days, breath work. You can change your tomorrow by doing something about it today. Last question. This is a trick question. Trick question? Yeah. Oh, my God, pressure. Yeah, serious pressure. What question do you have for me? I mean, here's the question. You must have some joy that prompted you to do these kind of interview things with lots of people. So what's the joy that you get out of these interviews? That's my true question. My honest answer is I'm still discovering it. I just feel the joy and I'm still trying to label it. I'm my academic answer is I love exploring consciousness, emotions, and what it is to be connecting. My spiritual answer is, it's my purpose. 
Dan, thank you. And we will uh, both be ongoing conversations with each other. Um, how should I say, refining all of our answers as we evolve into heart-centered humans. Very good. Very good. And I will see you at our next Kundalini class. Thank you. <laughs> see ya. Like what you heard? Give it a share. Want to talk about it? Comment or like below. Have a great rest of your day. This is the Actually Connecting Podcast.